Welcome to season three of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, a podcast about the Bay Area, technology, and culture. I'm your host, Sunil Rajaraman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yasha Kekis-Wolf. I always wonder if things that happen on Twitter are actually real or not. Like, is it just all made up stuff or do people actually interact with each other and then see each other in the real world? You know, I wonder that too until today. Just today? No, not not really. I've actually <laughs> I've actually met some great people on on Twitter. Well, today was a pretty special day because we have uh, two guests and two guests that came from Twitter. So uh, I follow Kate Clark, who's a reporter for TechCrunch, and uh, I noticed she sent something out that effectively said she she hates Phil's more than Starbucks, and I'm a huge Phil's apologist. Well, um, you're not just a Phil's apologist. You're just kind of a fan. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan, so uh, my instinct was to actually tag uh, Phil's Coffee's official's account, official account and the CEO Phil's in that Twitter thread. Yeah, and um, a little bit of magic ensued. A huge tweet thread followed, and Jacob actually responded, and uh, that's what brings us here today for this week's special edition of This Is Your Life. Yeah, so this is a special episode, and it actually started a bit before we were recording, where we met Jacob and Kate at a local Phil's close to our recording studio, and uh, Jacob went off the menu and made us a bunch of drinks before we showed up here to do the recording. What it essentially was is a CEO of a pretty big company doing a customer service call and reporting it on today's episode of the podcast. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's a great conversation, a wide range of uh, discussions, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. We certainly did. Enjoy today's episode of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, featuring Phil CEO Jacob Jabber and TechCrunch's Kate Clark. Mom used to make for us after a meal to kind of complete a meal, settle our, stu- settle, settle our stomachs, and extend the conversation around the table. So that one's a really special drink for us, and it's going really well. We made the oatmeal cookie which is an off-menu drink, which is a combination of the Julie's Ultimate Darker Blend and a little bit of uh, hazelnut beans with some cinnamon. Uh, And then we made the mint mojito for Kate. Kate, I have a couple of questions, and I'm just going to leave it. Yep, go ahead. Was everything you had today better than a Starbucks vanilla latte? Yes, I did like (laughs) what I had today more than my go-to drink at Starbucks, which is an iced vanilla latte. But I want to tell the listeners what I told you guys, which is it's not that I love Starbucks coffee. It's just that I'm from Seattle and I was still feeling like I am, you know, used to the brand and the environment. And I like how you can walk into Starbucks and you're in and out in a few minutes. And I don't like that when you go to Phil's, you're kind of stuck in this strange experience where you're not exactly sure where to go. You can't order an espresso drink. And that's kind of why I had this feeling of I hate Phil's more than I hate Starbucks. But yes, the, the coffee I had today was really good. I'm still a little skeptical about the uh, rosé coffee, but I like the backstory. Was the experience today good? Well, the experience today was a little unique considering the CEO of Phil's was making our drinks for us. So yes, this, the experience today was great, but I didn't have to walk up to the, well, I, don't, I still don't know exactly where you go to order, but I, I didn't. Start with the barista. Start but which on which end is the barista? Jacob, the explain right. explain the experience yes. and clarify it to sure. our listeners. So when my dad and I started, we thought about people. We thought about coffee. We thought about experience. And payment was never something we focused on deeply. We thought about 
how can we craft the perfect experience of the perfect cup for each individual customer? And we thought it was really important to order from the barista that's going to make you your drink and then pick up from that barista and for them to make sure you're happy with it. So that's why it fills. You start with the barista while they start freshly brewing it. You go on and grab some food if you like, pay, and then they'll call you back up to pick it up. Are you a better barista than most of your baristas? You know what? It's a competition right now. I mean, we have so many fantastic people, but every quarter we do something called Back to Roots where everybody in the home office and the roasting facility, we all uh, go to a store and do a shift so you can have some empathy and you can practice your barista skills. And everybody also has to be coffee trained, even if they're not working at the store. When you heard that story, Kate, as we were talking about it, did you think differently about Phil's after that? We were talking a bit about before we started recording, you being from Seattle, growing up in Seattle, and the experience around coffee and ordering coffee in particular is pretty unique there. Yeah, and I mean, in Seattle, everyone knows where the first Starbucks store is. Everyone knows the backstory of Howard Schultz. Everyone's so familiar with the brand. And coming, moving to San Francisco last summer, you know, I saw Phil's, but I had no idea about anything about the backstory. So yes, it definitely changes how I feel about the company and changes how I feel about specific drinks, knowing that there was so much thought put into it. And it's, it's will probably encourage me to visit Phil's more in the future. So well, just there are over 4 million ways to enjoy your cup. There is something for everyone. If you're a coffee purist and you love a great quality black cup of coffee, we have something great for you. And if you like something a little sweeter, we have something million? great for you. Four million? Is that real? There are over 4 million ways to that enjoy your fills. Seems... There are 15 blends. Uh -huh. There are a multitude of ingredients we could incorporate. We have cardamom spice, which we include in the Turkish and the Philharmonic. Yeah. We also have cinnamon. We have nutmeg and clove, which we make with our chai. And when you combine all of these things and you mix and match and you have half of one blend or half of the other, it adds up pretty quickly. So, yeah, we've actually calculated that. I think it's 4.5, <laughs> um, maybe a little bit more now since we've added So a disclosure to today's listeners, no one on this show has any affiliation with Phil's as a shareholder, as an investor, or anything, and we're not we're not doing advertorial content for Phil's. I just want to point that out. <laughs> well, what we did learn, though, actually, when we were drinking our coffee is that Michael Arrington, the TechCrunch founder, is an investor in Phil's. Okay, so there there is a conflict. Of course there's a conflict. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's well, just loose affiliations. Loose I don't think we have like any yeah. SEC, FCC uh, regulations that we have to follow for our podcast, do we? No, I, I don't think so, but there is no like ethics breach here. So let's 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 veer off topic for a second because I want to finish up with uh, with with Kate's tweet. We'll 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 really, you know, I just want to uh, I just want to go back to that. But, you know, um, Kate, where are you from? Uh, how did you get here? And tell us about your journey to the valley. Yeah, so just as I mentioned, um, from Seattle, grew up there. I moved to San Francisco about nine months ago, so I'm still very fresh. Um, I moved here for a job at TechCrunch, so um, I'm a journalist covering tech startups, and this is just where all the tech, all the startups are. So when you were growing up in Seattle, were it, was there a point in time where you were like, I have to move to San Francisco. I want to move to San Francisco. San Francisco is going to be my city. Definitely not. I mean, <laughs> Seattle is known, of course, for Amazon and Microsoft, and it does have a really huge tech ecosystem and a community of tech workers. But growing up there, it was not something that I was close with or thought about. And I wanted to be a newspaper reporter, you know, like boots on the ground, didn't think about covering tech in the slightest. Um, so I never uh, thought about moving here. It wasn't until maybe a year or so before I did that I was like, that's probably makes sense for me to go there, considering what I now cover. Jacob, tell us about your, uh, you know, where, where you're from, uh, how much time you spent in San Francisco. It sounds like you're, you're a native. Yeah, I was born and raised. I was born in actually South San Francisco, 
not too far from here. And uh, the original Phil's used to be a grocery store in the Mission on 24th and Folsom. So growing up, when I reached 10 years old, I started helping my dad uh, after school at the grocery store. So I spent a lot of time in the Mission, but I'm proud to be a native here. Did either of you get in a lot of trouble as as kids? Like, so in, in high school, what was the worst thing that you got, I don't know, punished for, faced a ramification for? I was playing basketball one day in high school on the courts during lunchtime, and we were I was a little bit rough with, with one of the kids, and he was a little rough with me, and before you knew it, we started swinging at each other, <laughs> and then we got I got uh, suspended, um, but then a couple weeks later, we became friends and apologized to one another. <laughs> but that was like the worst. The that worst feels that pretty happened. tame. So you're like yeah. kind of a goody two-shoes through and through. That's what you're saying. You know, growing up, I was so focused on Diablo and StarCraft, playing those games. <laughs> so I would spend a whole ton of time nerding out, playing those games, strategizing. And that actually was a great lesson for me in business, those two games specifically, because they require planning, strategic thinking. Uh, so I was hooked on that until I got a little bit chubby and then I got in a diet and started obsessing with working out. And then that was my next focus. We're going to come to you in a second, Kate. So hopefully you're thinking about the thing that you did that got you in the most trouble as a kid. But uh, Jacob, was there a point in time where you were like, I, I have to explore outside of San Francisco? No, not really. I think that um, I have family in, in different places. So I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. Um, but I think the city's wonderful and it's, it's really beautiful. So I'm definitely not, not tired of it. I love traveling and seeing different places. And now that there's spills in other places, I get the chance to visit and explore other cities. But I, I do love the city. Kate, yeah. what did you do as a kid that got you into so much trouble that you're embarrassed to tell anybody except for our listeners? Well, I, have a, I had a pretty untraditional childhood in that my parents traveled a lot for work and they, when they were around, they didn't have any rules. So I never got in trouble because they didn't care what I did. So I, I never have a, I have no stories of my parents punishing me for any kind of bad behavior because they were just like, you can leave the house whenever you want, you can do whatever you want. It was very um, relaxed. Hmm. Well, I had a big party once where it got busted by 15 squad cars. There's not a lot to do in Eugene, wow. Oregon. It wasn't That's that fun. kind of a crazy party. And one of my friends who we played football together, and he was like the star of the team in, in the state, ended up climbing up a tree to hide from the cops. That was my story. What about you, Sunil? I actually, I haven't even gotten a parking ticket. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you grew up in Cleveland. You had to have done bad stuff. Uh, I didn't grow up in Cleveland, as we <laughs> as we talk about every single episode. <laughs> but I see after a year of doing this, we, we're still going over this. I was born in Saratoga. <laughs> I went to high school in Cleveland. <laughs> That's kind of the same thing, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, if I if I thought back, maybe there were things that I, I would share. Nothing. Thanks for having everybody else share, but you keep them close to the vest. That's, that's good. The, that's the key to good that's interviewing. Good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so let's uh, let's let's talk about the tech community for a second, and I'm in, I'm curious to hear both of your takes. You have very very different angles into this. You cover tech all day, Kate, mm -hmm. and Jacob. You serve probably large portions of the tech community. What is something that the tech community is doing really well, and what's something that the tech community is doing that they really need to vastly improve on quickly? Doing well? Um, what the tech community is doing well? I mean, I think everybody is trying really hard to, you know, be, are, are we talking like, what are they doing well in San Francisco specifically, or are we talking? 
any, let's let's take it as a San Francisco yeah. specific, Silicon Valley specific question. I feel like it's hard for me to to compliment the tech community. I feel like all my thoughts are a lot more critical because hmm. I just tried really hard and was like, I can't think of anything. Um, what are they not doing well? I think people are way too focused on tech. I think there's not enough of outlets for um, having lives outside of their jobs, um, having discussions that don't revolve around tech. You know, having discussions that aren't about IPOs, that aren't about Uber. Like it just seems like everywhere you go in the city you can't escape those conversations. So I think I would I would say, yeah, just taking a step back and getting outside of the bubble is what they really need to be focusing on. Yeah, I think I, I love the ambition and the entrepreneurial spirit here, but I also think that um, uh, it's it, it has to start with people and it has to start with a balanced and rich life. And I think that oftentimes uh, there's this, there's this um, thing around working hard and spending all your time and working countless hours to build a company and be successful. And I think just the, the, the uh, obsession with work is very much felt. And I think uh, being able to you know, make a balanced life sexy is probably a good idea. <laughs> so how do, how, do we sh how do you shape the culture in a way that's a little bit more socially energizing versus yeah. um, inwardly focused? I think that's, mm -hmm. that's one thing. And a lot of times when you're, when you're working and training and getting educated on, on um, uh, you know, coding and, and computer work, it, it's, it's very inwardly focused. So how do you create mechanisms in the workplace that uh, allow people and to connect with one another and build relationships with strangers that you don't know. So I would I, mean, I would love if people who stood in line at Phil's didn't always look at their phone, but tapped on the person behind them and started a conversation. So that's aspirational, but. Two words, yeah. Faraday cage. Just, that <laughs> could be it? part of the feature of you all just, the Phil's stores. You just went over everybody's oh, head. Oh, come on. A yeah. Faraday cage is, Faraday cage. It's, what is that? Um, it's like the metal mesh that goes over the top of a particular area that you want to protect from electronics. So if you dropped yeah. a Faraday cage inside yeah. of all of your stores. No, that's, yeah. don't do that. Because yes. I hate that Blue Bottle doesn't have Wi-Fi. Oh, interesting. And you do have Wi-Fi. We do, wi all of our stores And I need Wi-Fi wi because yeah. I'm on the go and I'm working and I can't go in, I'm going to a coffee shop to get food or a coffee and like, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. So it's a bad idea. <laughs> don't do that. I think the fundamental problem is that social isolation causes stress. Yeah. And I think that um, it's important to uh, just, you know, step out of what you're doing and take a moment to be thoughtful and just have a conversation with, with someone. And that's really hard to do. And I think it's not it's not an easy thing to do. So I think in, in anything we can do to keep encouraging encouraging that, I think is a is a good thing. But at the same time, there are so many wonderful benefits of technology. And you shouldn't tell someone you can or can't do something. You just need to um, empower them and enable them and encourage them. Yeah. That sounds super idealistic. I like it. Um, it yeah. And you're, Kate, you've moved here recently, so mm -hmm. you're a few months new to the Bay Area. Do you buy that here? Do you think that's a, like, is that pure idealism, or do you see a path where we could actually find social interactions happening in San Francisco that could be more meaningful than I'm staring at my phone? I mean, I, d I do think it's idealistic, and what we were talking about earlier, you know, Seattle is known for the Seattle freeze, so people Which are is very real. It is it's definitely real. Um, people, um, which is just the idea that Seattleites are not particularly welcoming of outsiders, and they're not necessarily very friendly even to each other. They're just kind of, they do their own thing, they have their friends, they don't usually expand beyond those circles. But um, because I come from a city that is known for that, I think I already, you know, that's not something I find myself thinking about too much, like tapping a stranger on the shoulder. And given that I'm also a journalist, I talk to people all the time, so like I probably won't need to be 
tapping random people at Phil's on the shoulder just to chat. I actually would probably hate that if someone did that to me, so I'm not the audience for that. I also think it's a responsibility of leaders in the, in the tech industry to set the example as well, that you don't need to work 150-hour weeks to be productive. Those, uh, those, those hand gestures you're seeing are, are just, and you can't see this, listeners, uh, uh, we're, we're telling Jacob to get closer to the microphone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's why we're we're waving our hand. By the way, clarification. I think I said earlier that I've never even got a par- parking ticket. It's actually a speeding ticket. Oh, that's what I meant. Oh, yeah. I was having like a, too too much coffee. Uh, okay. <laughs> so um, okay. So I want to talk to Jake, Jacob for a second about third wave coffee roasters. Okay. So I don't know where the term came from. Maybe you do, but we've seen all of these sort of I don't know premium coffee shops come up. There's obviously Phil's. There's Blue Bottle. There's Verve, there's um, Intelligentsia, Ritual, who we've had Eileen on the on the podcast as well. Um, Blue Bottle was acquired by Nestle, of course. I want your take on the uh, the Nestle Blue Bottle acquisition, um, and wh- you know, can Phil's realistically remain independent? Yeah, I, I don't know much about the relationship or the level of engagement they have, so I can't speak too much to that. But generally speaking, what you're seeing is a rise of the artisans, people who are passionate about product and having the entrepreneurial courage to start a business and create something. And I think that's a wonderful thing. There are countless options of terrific coffee and food and beer in, 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 in the city um, and many other cities. I think um, the key for, for Phil's is that how do we celebrate artisanship and quality in a way that's accessible and approachable to welcoming for everybody. And I think that's what we really focus on. And our vision and our dream is to serve thousands of communities one day. And we are, all of our stores are designed uniquely because we really want people to feel comfortable and welcome and hang out and have a conversation or work or whatever it is. So, you know, we have investors as well, um, but you know, we're all aligned on growing fills, doing the right thing by our customers, by our team, by our business and by the product quality. And uh, we don't really have any discussions around uh, exiting or anything of that nature. It's just very, very politically put. Let me let me just ask a more direct question. If you had to levy one criticism against Blue Bottle, just one, just for just give us something. You know, Blue Bottle is I wish they would do this better. Just give us something. I mean, I can do that for a lot of people. I could do it for Blue Bottle. But, you know, every the, the key is that everybody has their own tastes. So. For some, it's good, and for others, it isn't. I've had it a few times, and I think it's a fine, it's a fine product. Yeah. I think yeah, per- yeah, personally, yeah. personally, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not a blue I'm, bottle fan. I'm, I'm just going to throw yeah. it out there. Uh, so I am. I'm going to disclose my my bias on this on this podcast, which is, I'm just I don't like the acidity. Yeah. I don't like the minimalist a- aesthetic. I think mm-hmm. it's becoming you know a Try part it. of tech monoculture. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of the. Pe- I know people involved in the company. We had you know disclosure Chris Michael on the podcast who's an investor and a great guy. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm just personally I'm not a fan of Blue Bottle. Yeah. I think there's this like could have been designed in Portland and happens to be a coffee shop that started in San Francisco vibe that. Yeah. But I love the options. There are many options. Let the people decide. For us, we focus on our own box. We focus on our customers. And, you know, if people want to give us a try, we want to make sure we do the best job we can converting them. And if they don't like it, we'll keep trying. Kate, is Jacob the best media trained CEO you've ever been in an interview with? I'm not. There are, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, it's the coffee. No, I mean, all, all CEOs, um, I've most CEOs in San Francisco are very diplomatic just like that. It's very common. So I'd say you're just on par with the rest of them. Whoa! 
Just like the coffee is on par. There we go. Is that a negative thing? I I was going to say, though, I think um, as far as complimenting Phil's, um, I do think the the store and the brand feels a lot more accessible than uh, Blue Bottle does. And that's why, I mean, I I do not like Blue Bottle. I think it is, uh, like you said about the monoculture and the aesthetic, the aesthetic is just like venture-backed startup, but like in coffee shop form. And it's just... It's obnoxious, in my opinion. So I do think that um, feels if it does feel like it's um, targeting more of the average Joe, which is good. I mean, in coffee shops should be like you know their neighborhood meetings. They shouldn't be a place where you feel uncomfortable even walking in unless you're wearing like a cool outfit or something. Has anyone tried the uh, the cat shit coffee? The uh, oh, um, what's it what's it called? That stuff from mon- is it monkey shit? It's is not it cat, cat shit. shit. No, it's not cat it shit. It is. is it? Yeah, it is. We can fact check this. <laughs> it's called. I know like, what you're talking about. Like yeah. Kawi Lupak or something yeah, like that. Kawi Lupak. Yeah, it, it, it's basically a process. Uh, we don't need to get into the details, but it's a process <laughs> that that it actually is a terrific. Co- when I was in Bali uh, a while back, I, I had it uh, for the first time. Actually, it was terrific. It was terrific. But it, it's to, eat, to each his taste. Yep. Micro- <laughs> microphone. There Sorry. You go. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Good. So, hot take from both of you. Okay. Best restaurant in San Francisco. Favorite, your favorite, not best, your favorite right now restaurant in San Francisco. Kokari. Kokari. Kokari is my yeah. go to. Absolutely. This is, awesome. this is troubling. It's fantastic. Disclosure, also my favorite San Francisco yeah. restaurant. Evian, my favorite in Palo Alto. Owned yeah. by the okay. same guy who was my dentist growing up. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. Kukari, Evia is my second favorite. Um, <laughs> Kokari on the like time during the month where they have the goat stew, best place. Oh, I haven't had that. Yeah. What kind of food is this place? Greek, Greek, Mediterranean. Yeah, it's terrific. Lovely. Yeah, they do the, a goat stew. The octopus bring the spit in and the fried it. cheese, yeah. saganaki. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. It's so awesome. good. So yeah, I feel like listeners are gonna listen to this episode and think that you know, like I'm I'm extremely biased, which of course I am. Uh, but I I feel like I have to throw in a couple of hardball questions yeah. in there. Okay. Let's okay. t- let's talk about. Know. We're not done with the restaurant questions. We got one person hot <laughs> take on a restaurant. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally, I totally interrupted. But because I like just had a thought, thought top it's of mind, you we had just happened too to have, much coffee. I have had too out. much coffee. Kate, um, I apologize, Kate. Okay, well, I haven't gone to a ton of restaurants, so I feel like this isn't fair. But um, to me, since I just moved here, but um, I really like RT Rotisserie. Do you guys know that one? I don't. I also don't go to expensive restaurants because you know journalist salary. So, <laughs> where is our? What is RT Rotisserie? Um, so there's this. I'm going to butcher this, but there's, like, I think a Michelin star restaurant chef guy who has a really fancy restaurant, and this is, like, a spin-out. Uh-huh. It's, like, um, rotisserie chickens and chicken sandwiches, and it's amazing. Ooh. Like, could we walk from here? Like that. Kind it's of in place? Hayes Valley. Oh, that's not really walkable from here. <laughs> we could take the Muni. Or... Yes. I'm just staring at <laughs> this. Is, this is Uber Strike Day. Everybody is laughing because I, I was that guy. I took... I took an Uber. I had a long way to go. It was four dollars. It was the strike isn't wasn't working. You're the guy that crosses the picket line when the teachers are out striking, aren't you? No, <laughs> <laughs> just checking. The operations of Phil's. Yep, it kind of feels like a clusterfuck at times, right? Like you walk into the store. This was the original criticism that yep. Kate was loving, and we saw a couple other people on that on that thread say they were just they're stressed out when they walk in and I had a couple of people who reached out to me just sort of separately saying yeah it's like really confusing when you walk there it's disorienting what is your response to to folks like that and do you receive any criticism or thoughts on the operations uh, piece of it 
Yeah, tying back what I was saying first about how do you enable a personal experience? So the steps of the journey result in having to start with the barista, then going to paint and going back to pick up. So some of the legacy stores are not designed in a way that's conducive to a better flow, but if you go to our newer stores, it's a lot more, lot more intuitive. But it's really simple. Here are the steps. Start in the line where you order with your barista. Typically, there'll be people online, so you follow the line. Once you order from your barista, head down to the payment register, pay, and then step back. Um, there's usually a pew where you can sit and wait in front of the baristas, and the person that you order from will call it up to ask you to make sure it's perfect before you leave. Kate, do you agree that that process is intuitive? No. I mean, I think hearing you explain it, it sounds a lot simpler than it is. I do think it's it's confusing. Um, I understand if, if you go to Phil's a lot, like it's going to feel very second nature. But for me, so I think I'd been to Phil's twice before today. And I know both times I walked to the wrong spot and I said, can I have a latte? And they said, no. And I was like, why don't you have that? Which I want to know, why don't you serve espresso drinks of any kind? Yeah, well, every, every it's back to the philosophy that the best cup of coffee is one that's made to your taste. So we believe that the process that we have allows us for the best customization. But it's also a process that uh, takes up space and you need multiple baristas. So we wanted to focus on being really, really good at that versus right. having a multitude of different Would options. You ever but we're also getting a lot. Our, our Most of our customers convert from latte drinkers to fills drinkers. So we're getting a lot of a lot of conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything new and different is new and different. So, But people that are for, have come for the first time, the feedback that I get is if they are confused, they self-correct, right? And usually the barista will, will walk, you, walk you through and, and guide you. But if not, you learn it. And then the next time you come in, you self-correct. And if you you uh, hopefully don't make the same mistake. Kate and I were talking about this in the store. Um, I'm super introverted. Like I, when I go into a location where there's a bunch of people that I don't know, I'm like, <laughs> I got all that pings of anxiety. Um, and I don't know that Kate I would put you in the same bucket as me, but as we were talking about, Phil's, yep. it's overwhelming when you come in because it's very busy. Hot take, another business idea, because everybody loved the Faraday cage idea. <laughs> Do like a separate line for introverts. Or like yeah. maybe uh, you pick up a little card that you just slide up to the baristas. They know that like, just help me guide through. We have a mobile app. You don't even need to talk to anybody. You can just go on your mobile phone, order, pay, and then you walk in, and it'll be sitting there at the pickup station. And you don't talk. You don't need to talk to anybody. So but that's the, an alternative. But experience. the app doesn't walk you through the four and a half million different types of. Well, hopefully options. this podcast helps. So <laughs> download the app, <laughs> and uh, we'll give you some recommendations. But I mean, p- people learn it. To any, any, again, anything new is a little bit different. But we're, uh, we're, we're, we have lines. We have people who love the product and experience and. Um, we try to take feedback and improve where we can, but we want to make sure we do it in a way that doesn't uh, um, mess with what we think is really important in the experience. Do both of you see yourselves in San Francisco for the rest of your lives? No. Okay. Where, 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 where will you be? Um, I don't know where I'll be the rest of my life, but I think um, maybe a few more years here. I wouldn't want to stay um, forever. I mean, I'm interested to hear what you think growing up here, but I, I would like to move to New York and then after that somewhere where I can afford to live like somewhat normally. Yeah, hopefully I don't need to decide just one place. Uh, I love San Francisco. I always envision myself having a place here, but I also love Los Angeles. Uh, I love the city. Um, and, you know, I haven't, I, there's more places to see, but I'd also like to have a place internationally too. I don't know where, when, but at some point if I'm lucky, I'll I'll get to that point, but I love San Francisco, so I always see myself having having a hub here. Are you uh, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of the city, uh, given current state? Well, I think uh, 
it's hard to be optimistic, uh, but I am optimistic because I think, um, you know, over time people come together and figure it out. I don't know that the government is going to solve the problem. I think it's going to take individuals, uh, organizations to help solve the problem. Tell me what the biggest problem uh, the government has posed to Phil's so far to date. Has there been anything that San Francisco has done or imposed or or really any or, or any city for that matter? No anomalies. I would say there's no anomalies or nothing out of the ordinary. No, I don't think so. There's nothing that comes to mind. Kate, how about you? Optimistic about San Francisco, the future of San Francisco? Um, I mean, I haven't been here so long that I feel bad making predictions, but I still can. Um, I think given what's happened to Seattle, it's transformed so much because of Amazon. I, I think San Francisco is definitely at the point of no return. Um, and I'm just now learning about the history of the city and you know, um, Summer of Love and all that stuff, and it just seems like so little of that remains. So I um, would say no, not optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, affordability is the biggest, right? For for folks, even folks that work in our, our workforce, right? It's yeah. even if you're making twenty twenty five dollars an hour. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder. It's like, you know, how do you how do you uh, how, how do you find a place here and be comfortable? So, um, I have empathy for that, and I I uh, I don't know how to solve that problem. So I, I do think there's some work that has to be done to uh, enable a good quality life for the working class people who are doing so many great things. Uh, who for the did city. your uh, mayoral candidate that you voted for? win in the last election? No. Ed, Ed Lee, Ed, you know, unfortunately, God rest his soul, but Ed, Ed Lee was a good good friend of uh, my dad and I's and, and a great customer. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll just see how the issues get handled. So far, again, it's hard to be optimistic, but um, I think over time, you know, usually things have to get worse before they get better, I think. Um, but can, I'm hopeful. Can typical, so I guess middle class or however it's defined in San Francisco, afford Phil's coffee? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for anybody's finances, but a bridge toll is six dollars, and a cup of Phil's is four or five dollars. So, uh, it depends. I mean, for for me, the way I see it is, it's a, it's a daily luxury. Um, and bridge is six dollars, by the way. I thought there are like twelve. Golden Gate is how much? Eight, nine. I mean, it's a I'm lot. giving you a range, but yeah. it's gone up. It's definitely and gone what up. What even is middle class in San Francisco? Yeah, is there is there one anymore? I, I have no idea what it is. Like, I've is it low income considered like 117,000? There's an article I saw. If you make 170,000, okay, well, I'm definitely 000, low income then. It's considered low income. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the IPOs. Let's see. It's all the it's all the rage. Uh, is it going to make things? It's probably going to make things a lot worse, huh? I would expect it to make things worse. Do you have shares in any of these companies that I'm not not aware of? <laughs> I no Disclosed. Sh- I have no <laughs> shares in the companies that are IPOing or just have IPOed over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> 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 nice. But there's been like a bevy of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At this particular point in time of the recording. We're, we're actually getting close to the end of this episode, so we're going to tease the question that we want to ask before Sunil digs into a couple more questions. But I want to make sure you're thinking about the recommendations for follows on social networks for listeners. So, Kate. Yeah. Do you retract the tweet that you, uh, that you put out there that is the origin of this podcast? So do I now hate Starbucks more than I hate Phil's? That's the question. We'll start there. I'm not ready to say that. I, I'm not ready to say that yet. I need some time to think about it. I think the coffee was great. I liked the coffee a lot that I had today, even the mojito one, which was kind of wild. But um, I can't say that I, 
I still have, I just still feel like that love for Starbucks just for my, for my hometown. But, but even with it. their ex-CEO and ex-chairperson out being a crazy person? Right, yeah. Um, Howard Schultz should not be running for president. Stop doing that if you're listening to this. But um, yeah, I mean, it's more like when I see, it's, it's less about like the people behind it and more like when I see a Starbucks, wherever I am in the world, this is so sappy. But I feel like it, it's like somewhere I can go and I feel at home. And I think, um, I think I'll probably always feel that way, just given, you know, that there's 10 billion Starbucks in Seattle on every corner. But Let's do a little conjoint analysis. Yeah. Do you prefer fills over Blue Bottle? Yes, definitely. Okay, okay. We, got, we got one there. Uh, but <laughs> you, know, you know what's happening here is you feel escalation of commitment to stuff you put out on social media. So I'm going to chalk this up to escalation of commitment. I think that my, my theory is that in a public forum, Kate, understandably, doesn't want to admit that the original premise for this entire thing was well, you're just was like now totally is now debunked. Sunil <laughs> <laughs> so like the the AG bar of Twitter. <laughs> the, yeah, maybe a better maybe a better comparison, please. <laughs> uh, well, I I'm gonna predict that let's call it eight weeks from now when we check in on Twitter again, the fact that you know Jacob and you have this experience and you know the backstory that when we ask you this question again, you're gonna say, well, actually. Yeah, I, I think that's highly likely and I need time to to visit Phil's and maybe work at a Phil's for a while and just not work behind the counter, but like work on my laptop at Phil's and sort of experience it more um, and then I can. Come visit us at our dog patch headquarters. Mm-hmm. We got a great space for work in there. Okay, I so. I invite you all. We appreciate that. So, uh, so Jacob. Favorite uh, person, people, organization to follow on social media, and why? Um, I love Naval's tweets. Big fan of Naval. I love his tweets. Uh, I I like Shane Parrish's tweets. He runs Barnum Street. Um, I like Phil's tweets. <laughs> Do you write but, those? No, no, we we have a team. Like team. No, my my own <laughs> tweets, yeah, but not 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 the Phil's account. Uh, those are those are some that there's so many, but no, yeah. I mean I'm a big fan of them all. You yeah. went straight to Twitter. Any other places that you're spending energy and time? Instagram lately. Instagram. I found it like a very powerful way to actually connect with our team members uh, and our different stores. Each one has their own individual account and our customers, uh, both to get feedback, to share content. Um, we're opening in Chicago, so talking a lot about that. So I'm still learning, and I've just started using it a little bit more. But Instagram is is probably 75% of my social media use. Wow. You're a shareholder in Facebook also? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, same question for you. Um, yeah, I basically live on Twitter. Um, but for some reason, I'm trying to th- – my favorite accounts, the first thing that comes to mind is Mike Isaac, which I know you guys had him on the show. We love Mike. I love his tweets. He's hilarious. Yeah. Um, he has a newsletter now, too, that I think is – hilarious um and i think i also follow like pretty much only journalists on twitter um so the other one that comes to mind is kara swisher which is like she's just we've had her on the show too oh i haven't heard that one oh yeah yeah she's she's one of my journalism idols yeah sunil um wore a really bad choice for a shirt that day and she like ground into him for (laughs) yeah that was that was rough Um, i've been on hers too yeah um how much do you sleep a night I sleep really well. I probably sleep around um, seven hours a night. How many cups of coffee do you have? 
every day, probably four to five. Yeah. I start with a tesoro with honey and cream, and then I have another one, and then I either have a third one or I get the oatmeal cookie, and then I have a rosé, and then uh, <laughs> if I feel it, I'll have another oatmeal cookie. Kate, do you sleep? Do you drink coffee? Um, I do sleep, and I drink a lot of coffee. Um, I sleep. I sleep more than that. I sleep maybe like eight hours, like eight hours a night. I'm definitely a, sleeping is my definitely one of my secret weapons. But um, I drink probably like three to five cups of coffee a day. But I'll drink like um, just out of you know black coffee, like uh, the cheapest coffee you can buy at the grocery store. Like I'm not. I wouldn't be having those pour overs and things at home. But um, then Sunita's at the facial expressions eggs. are fantastic right now. Yeah. Like how many do you have like a half a cup a day? No, like I, I have I have two cups, but both usually before twelve. Oh. And I won't I won't drink any after. This is a exception. Yeah. I drink it all day long, any hour of the day. Yeah. And you sleep well? Yeah. yeah. I find a coffee before our sleep is great. <laughs> yeah. An espresso at night and then go to bed at forty five minutes later. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been incredible. What uh, what an experience to get the uh, the CEO of a company to respond essentially to what amounted to a customer service complaint uh, and do a show about it. So thank you, Jacob. And Kate, thank you for uh, for also agreeing to do this. I mean, it's it's like you put it out there and you owned up to it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having today. me. Thank you both. So uh, just so everybody can have a picture of this, Sunil's holding his hand up and it's shaking probably like like a half an inch in every direction, just like total jittery. And I'm going to let everybody know that I'm kind of feeling the same way too. Like my heart's beating a little bit faster. And that's not just because I really enjoy my time in the recording closet with Sunil. It's because we've probably collectively drank about six cups of coffee over the last hour and a half. This for sure sets the record of amount of coffee I've had in a single day. Uh, probably not just the amount of coffee in a single day, but the amount of coffee in a single day past noon. This is, yeah, this is really breaking protocol for me, but I'll say that it was it was definitely worth it. It was totally worth it. And even if we don't sleep tonight, um, we had a great conversation. And it's, uh, I think, a good lesson for all of us to learn. Like the CEOs in the Bay Area, the reporters in the Bay Area, the people that are setting the tastes and kind of writing the record are all pretty approachable. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was that was my takeaway too. It was really a nice human moment to have this virtual interaction happen, and then bring the two people together and have a normal conversation about it. And we we had a, a discussion a couple of seasons ago with the CEO of Ritual, and I've been a steady buyer of Ritual, and I bring the bags home, and I make coffee at home with Ritual. I've been a fan of and buying from fills over the course of the last few years, mostly in store. And I got to tell you, just learning more about the backstory there makes me want to be an even bigger fan. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did. Uh, follow uh, Yasha at Kaykas, K-A-Y-K-A-S. You can follow me at S-U-B-E-S-0-1. And like we always ask, if you enjoyed this episode as much as we liked making it, please go back to the app that you found the podcast on, rate us five stars, and leave us a comment. It actually helps more people find this podcast. Thank you very much.